We had to start we, over. We did not remember how to do this, but now I do because we did a very choppy introduction at first we and we missed, said, scrap it. We said, scrap it. Well, we also just like, we missed checkpoints in our setup. So, yes. Things were making noise that don't usually make noise, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But we're back and we're here and it sounds nice. We're back from a long break. A long, unexpected hiatus. But first, welcome to Spooky Show, the spooky show in the history of the universe of life and the stars and the sun and the sky and the moon and all of that. I'm your host, Kate, and Harrison is here. That's right. And we are back. (laughs) And we're back. A little unexpected universal hiatus. Yes. My pop-pop passed away, so I had to go to New York for a while. I was there for a pretty long time. It was um, fast too. You didn't have, we didn't like have time to prep an episode or anything yeah, like that. Because it was an unexpected death. Uh so yeah. I was gonna say that and then it's like you know, unless yeah. And then I was like thinking to myself, like, well, every death is sort of unexpected. Yeah. I but then again it's like, you know, some people are sick for a long time. Anyway. Yeah, I mean like with my grandma I got to in the beginning of this year, which it's been a doozy of a it's year. Been a doozy of a year. But yeah. I got to say goodbye to her. Yeah, this was just like, it was an accident. It was, yeah, unexpected. So we did not have time to prep. And then immediately when I got back, we, we were, were scheduled to go on vacation. We went on vacation for a whole week. So, like, yeah. And we didn't yeah. have enough turnaround time to get an episode out between. So we were just like, you know what? It's been a, it's been a crazy couple of weeks. So we're just going to take a little break. But we're back. We're back. We're tan. Katie was burnt. Katie was burnt. That's why I'm calling me Katie. Sorry. <laughs> My family calls me that when Harrison is around them for long periods of time. He starts doing it. And it's not endearing to me. Unless Sorry. you're my mommy or my daddy. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Kate. Harrison, do you want to tell the people what we did? What we our went vacation on a cruise. Went? We were all over the Bahamas, baby. We were all over the Harrison islands. doesn't know where we went. <laughs> well, I know, I know where we went. Where did we go? We went to the Cayman Islands, went to Jamaica, we went to Cozumel, and we went to a private island. That's all four. Good job. Yeah, I know where we went. I didn't know where we were going. And speaking of cruises, today's episode is a cruise episode. Yeah, that's right. It's a cruise disappearance episode. Extremely easy to extremely easy and extremely hard after going on cruise to see how that happens. Well, we did it we wanted to do it after the cruise. Yes, we didn't scare ourselves. Yes, we didn't scare ourselves. And, you know, my brother and everyone were kind of like, you should do a cruise episode. Like, I think a lot of disappearance happened on cruise ships. And I was like, yes, in fact, they do. Um, And it's usually poorly handled. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately. Well, it's tricky, too, because, like, you know, even... Even on the cruise we went on in our rooms, like there would be like, hey, if you have a security emergency, here's the police in every country that we possibly go to. Yeah. And so it's like, there's really no local jurisdiction. I was going to say. There's no real authority of the cruise ship. I mean, we were on a cruise ship that's owned by a, a, a company that's not even based in the U.S. So it's like, how the hell yeah. you know, would that even begin to get unpacked? It's not like you can directly involve... I, I don't know how it works with, like, the FBI. You know, like, I don't know if they would be involved in that kind of stuff immediately or, like, 
how much stuff can get skirted around or like documents futzed with just by the complex nature of cruising in general. I was going to say it's murky waters. <laughs> but really because like if something happens when you're in the middle of the ocean yeah it's like who what do you do whose jurisdiction is it i guess it would be the cruise ship but i don't know anyway this story we're talking about today is the disappearance of george smith and he was on a royal caribbean cruise oh, yeah and the story's a little Still complicated. There's a lot of different stories, a lot of witnesses, a lot of contradict contradictory stories. Um, so it's a lot hard. Contradicties. It's a little hard to say. Sure. Whether or not any of this information is misinformation, just because there's so much Correct. out there and so sure, many different sure, sure. stories, but. It's a lot of he said, she said, so I just wanted to let you know to keep that in mind. And if I get anything wrong, I apologize, but we did our... Shout out to his family. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, so let's talk about George Smith, not to be confused with Harrison Smith. They don't dox me, you don't first and last Harrison, me. you're... Know, you give out your figure. handle know, 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 and right. on the show every week and your last name. I know, and I perform name. under my name, too, so it's all good. What know? the heck are you joking. talking about? Joking. Okay, so... I'm joking, I'm joking. Let's talk about George Smith. He was 26 years old when he vanished, and he was presumed dead from... Um, he disappeared from the Royal Caribbean's Brilliance of the Seas. That's the name of the ship. I know, and they, I, Royal Caribbean has so many funny-ass names for theirs, too, I'm pretty sure. I know. I'm going to look up some of them as you keep going. I've been on two of them. I remember one was Sovereign of the Seas or something. Okay. And that's all I remember. And that was in, like, 2002, so <laughs> who knows if that ship is still there. So he disappeared from the ship on July 5th, 2005. So George was a great dude. He was very. He lit up every room he ever went into. He did. He was very social. He was well liked. He was athletic. He was very known for being funny, and he was also kind of a ladies' man. And he was a very attractive guy. Okay. He had a really great upbringing, and he was actually going to inherit his dad's liquor store in Greenwich, Connecticut, where he grew up. And I think Greenwich, Connecticut's like the richest part of the U.S., isn't it? I will look as well. I'm looking up the other cruise ship names for Well, us, let me know, because I don't want to miss... You're saying rich is like zip codes? I don't know. I know it's a rich area. I'll look, I'll, I'll look it up. Yeah, let me know. So, yeah, that's where he grew up. And he had a pretty good little life going for himself at this point. Yeah, all these ship names are goofy. Just real quick, I'm going to run through a bunch of them. Adventure of the Seas, Allure of the Seas, Anthem of the Seas, Brilliance of the, Enchantment of the, Explorer of the, Grandeur of the. I like Anthem of the Seas. <laughs> I do too. I like Grandeur of the Seas. That's very, very nice. I like Oasis of the Seas. I love, I this one's tough, Quantum of the Seas. I think Oasis is one of the biggest ships. Radiance of the Seas. That's called me. Look, um, is Sovereign on there? Sovereign is no longer a ship in the fleet at Royal Caribbean. Wow. R.I.P. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, like, the ship we were on was built and first launched in 2021. And you could definitely see how in 10 years that ship would be out of date. Yeah. 
you know, 15 years, then you're really talking, you know. Yeah, that's true. I don't know what the half-life is on a lot of these ships. Okay, can you look up the Greenwich thing? I sure will. Keep keep moving on. Yeah. So he had a good little life going for himself. And then he met a woman named Jennifer Hagel. She was pretty much just like him. She was also very attractive. She was also going to be very successful. She was going to be a teacher. And they felt like madly in love with each other and everyone around them said they were perfect for each other they both were just like very bubbly and they had happy personalities so of course three years after they started dating they got married they got married in newport new hampshire and it was so i hear a fairy tale wedding <laughs> and they were so beautiful they were also set to have their fairy tale honeymoon on a cruise, baby. Yep. And this was going to be like a very pretty long cruise over in Europe. Like it was going to stop at all these places in Europe. So in late June of 2005, they went to Barcelona to get on the Royal Caribbean's Brilliance of the Seas for this honeymoon. And from the start, it, was, it looked like it was a great trip. They quickly made friends with another honeymooning couple uh-huh. named Paul and Galena. And Where are they from? The U.S.? Yeah, I think so. And they just started their trip. They okay. made... I'm trying to get a gauge if there are any maybe language barriers, because I know ships have a pretty big cross-section. Yes, they do. I'm trying to get my bearings of the story. And so the Greenwich thing, all I can find is that it consistently pops up on... It just says it consistently pops up... Um, on rankings of the richest cities in America. There you go. I was right. But yes, but uh, though in terms of the, the richest, the richest, yeah, uh, I believe that's somewhere in California, according to this. And actually, there's another place in Florida. No. Okay. Well, I was onto something. But so, it's a huge hub for hedge funds and stuff like that. Ew! I don't even know what that is. It's just like money that makes more money. Look, Harrison taught us something. Just, okay. So yes, from the start, amazing trip. They made many different stops in the seven days before George vanished, and they were just having a ball. They took pictures everywhere they went, and it was, like, you know, pretty clear to everyone around them, wherever they went, that they were in honeymoon bliss. They were blissed. They were blissed out. Yes. There wasn't any tension or they anything. They were honestly kind of slaying. <laughs> they were slaying the ship. There, <laughs> there was no tension, says witnesses. So they would get off the ship wherever they stopped maybe do some excursions, and then get back on the ship at night. And then they would pretty much keep the same routine. They would go to the casino, and they went out and had a few drinks. They hung out with Paul and Galena, and also made a lot of other friends on the ship. So, like, this was kind of their routine the whole time. They would, you know, get back on the boat to head to their next stop, go to the casino, drink, hang out with their friends that they made on the ship, go to bed. And on the evening of July 5th, around midnight, this night was no different. They had a great day. So Jennifer and George went to the casino that they've been going to every night. And a majority of their ship friends were there with them. I'm calling them uh, ship friends, I guess. Okay. And they bounced around from different tables Jennifer was learning how to play craps, and George liked blackjack, and pretty much everyone in that casino knew each other by that point, because right. they had been on the cruise for seven days by now. And cas- and casinos on ships are not particularly huge. They're generally. not huge. Probably the same like people Like one room. There. Yeah. Yeah. 
So by and the gamblers tend to stick together, just like anybody, <laughs> you know, smokers, they tend yeah. to congregate together. That's true. People tend to find their people. So by the end of the night, it was said that both Jennifer and George were heavily intoxicated. Okay, okay, living it up. Yeah. But Jennifer later said that they weren't ever the kind to go to bars, and, like, George actually couldn't handle his alcohol that oh, well. Oh, no. Um, and that's actually one of the first things Paul and Galena said they noticed about George. Like, he It's could... an extremely bad trait to have while being loose in a casino on a ship. Yeah, pretty bad, Being huh? terrible at handling your... Like, this is... First of all, the casino sent my hairs on the back of my neck like, hmm, something... A bad get... idea. Yeah, I don't get that. What? Like, I have no desire to ever play any casino games. Oh, it's fun. I mean, it's like a fun novelty. To me, it's like no different than like, you know, going to the amusement park and spending the money at those games. Like, it's the same true, thing, and I don't... you know, which is more, I mean, and also like the biggest thing with gambling that people tend to lose sight of, it does too. One, that it's rigged against you. Um, like, you are designed to get enough of a hit uh, or enough excitement or make enough money to be excited to go back in again. And, like, the other thing is that, like, you should only, like, don't fuck around, don't gamble money that you don't have. Yeah. Like, besides that, it's, like, can be pretty harmless, you know? If people are just, like, tossing around a couple bucks here and there, a couple hundred bucks, like, that they have, it's fine. But, you know, you, you got to be prepped to lose everything. And, like, again, people who don't, if you don't have a desire to do that, or like, yeah, I don't. You know, you're not a thrill seeker in that particular way. Nope, and that's gambling 101 from Harrison. And, and I'm always, not even a big gambler. I just those are like simple little rules. I always tell this story of why I don't like gambling because me and my dad went to the Hard Rock Cafe we drove past Hotel yesterday. in Miami once, and he gave me a hundred dollars for the casino. So I tried it. I lost everything, and I was just so mad. I was like, Dad, I needed that $100. Why couldn't you just give me $100? Well, because you probably had to learn a very valuable lesson about gambling that day. Yeah, and I guess I did because I'm averted. It's fun to do the slots. I like playing. I think the if anybody, if you're like, oh, I'm gambling curious, because I don't, I mean, the only times I've really ever gambled when I went to Vegas, and then... Like, here and there, like, if you see a slot machine, it's fun to, like, play. But but only play penny slots. Like, get $20 mm-hmm. in penny slots, and, like, that's, you know, 2,000 credits in the machine you can just play. And then you can, you won't lose a lot of money. Ba-boom. You won't win a lot of money, but you won't lose a lot of money. Yeah, so Paul and Galena said he would get drunk off of, like, three or four beers. So, like, you I know. respect, man. I understand. They weren't the type of people to, like party that hard or drink that much they weren't ragers yes but just okay yeah but being on their honeymoon and on a cruise they did definitely like drink a little bit but this night in particular paul and galena say that george more so was a lot more drunk than he had been any other night to the point where they like were trying to maybe all five beers maybe on five they were trying to like get him to go to bed they're like Dude, you should probably go back to your room. Um, but even with these details that we have right now, there are, are re- there are already some contradicting. Why can't I speak? There are already some. Yeah, we're getting back to it. We're, we're figuring out. There are already some contradicting things that have come out from some witnesses, even right now. So, despite it being said, 
by some witnesses that both George and Jennifer were highly intoxicated. There was a couple on the ship, an older couple with kids and whatnot, that Jennifer had talked to a few times. And they said that Jennifer had come up to them at about 2.30 in the morning on July 5th and was speaking to them as the casino was closing. And this couple said that she wasn't wasted at all. She wasn't even drunk. She wasn't even tipsy. She was coherent. She was talking about how she couldn't wait to have kids. So it's kind of like confusing from the jump, whether both George and Jennifer were drunk or just George. But we will actually kind of clear this up a little later. Okay. So the party goes on. Nothing seems wrong again. Until about 7.30 the next morning. So that morning, the ship was at the port in Turkey. And a 16-year-old girl, she had woken up early to take some pictures while they're at the port. She was taking, you know, photos of the scenery. And she went out onto her balcony to do that. She looked down, and she just saw a massive blood stain. What? Yeah. On the canopy (gasps) that covered the lifeboats. Oh my gosh! Some massive blood stain. So she took. Well, my a- first thought is he jumped. He tried to jump. He hit his head. He got fucked up. He jumped. He hit his head, and he bled out on the tarps. Mm-hmm. Could be. So she took a picture of this. It was too fucked up from five beers. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, it's what seems... Okay, what's what I am deducing so far? Carry on. Okay, so yeah, she took a picture of it. She started to panic because she was like, this is way too much blood. Yeah, right. Yeah, and it shouldn't have been there, so... No, definitely should not be blood (laughs) all over the tarps of the ship. So she and her parents called the authorities, and this is when the ship went into kind of like a lockdown, Uh you know? And the ship wanted to account for all of the guests on the ship, um to figure out who this blood could belong to. And they were pretty easily able to narrow this down because of where the blood stain was located. So, like, you know, they went, they saw the blood stain in this one spot and they just looked at the rooms going up from the ship, pretty much. Okay. And so they went up to the different rooms right above the blood stain and they also had an inkling to focus on the Smith's room in particular because there had actually been a phone call from one of the Smith's neighbors early in the morning about a noise complaint. So they go to the Smith's room, they knock. So no one answers. They go in and nobody's there. So they took pictures of the entire room and then they moved on to try and locate Jennifer and George. A little while later, they found Jennifer and she was actually at the spa. Weird. She had like a pre-booked appointment. And she still went? Yeah. That's so weird. For her and George. Okay. Like, this appointment was for both of them to get yeah. a couple's massage. And she still went? Yeah. George wasn't there, and she was just enjoying this That's massage insane. on her own. I'm sorry. That is suspect behavior. If your husband goes missing, and you're like, I'm still going yeah, to my couple. but she couple. doesn't really know at this point. And let me... She hasn't seen him. Let me finish okay. this, and then I'll explain my thinking. So authorities, they take her out of the spa, and they took her to guest relations, and they started asking her where George was, and Jennifer was genuinely confused at first, because she said that she honestly didn't remember anything from the night before. But she wasn't drunk, right? At 2.30 in the morning, she was not drunk. Okay. She said she remembered leaving the casino, and everything else was just a blur, (gasps) Until she woke up earlier that morning, and 
she said she woke up sometime around 8 a.m. and immediately went to the spot for her massage. And she said that George wasn't in the room when she woke up, but she wasn't that concerned because she assumed, like, he had maybe fallen asleep in Paul Galena's room or one of their cruising friends' rooms. And she said it wasn't something he had done on the trip thus far, but she said she had no reason to believe anything bad happened to him. Right, of course. And I think, too, like, just you know, coming off one with you and I sharing a room. If I woke up and you weren't there and, like, we didn't have cell phones, you know, 2005, mm-hmm. they probably had no internet even. Yeah, they probably didn't figure out any of yeah. that stuff that they have. Now. I would literally assume you were at the buffet or at the gym, you right. know? Like, right, I don't right, think right, I would right. be that concerned right off the bat. Yeah, I guess it would be. I know, I know. I'm I'm more thinking from, like, a worried, anxious mind. Like, I would be yeah. like, where did you go? I mean, I would definitely be like, okay, I wonder where he is. But I would, like, give it a few, and I wouldn't be like... How long do you think is, like, a reasonable amount of time? Well, she woke up at 8 a.m. Before it looks suspect. Maybe about, like, 11. It's, like, three hours, you think? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. That's just what I... I, mean, I agree. I don't disagree. There's just so much to do on the ship. Like, you yeah. could do it. And he was partying. Like, you know, maybe he kept drinking and maybe he fell asleep in the very casino yeah so i can kind of i can see where she's coming from but as soon as she said that you know he could be sleeping in paul galena's room or another cruise ship's friend's room they decided to bring in paul and galena gotta bring in paul and galena and ask them if they've seen george but they said they hadn't seen him since the casino when they tried to tell him to go to bed so after a short investigation by the security on the ship itself like the ship security they determined that it's very likely that George had gone overboard and based on the amount of blood that was found on the awning, it was very likely that he was dead. Yeah, I would say. Yeah. If there's a ton of blood and he hadn't even hit the water yet, and I don't think he's doing well. They just, right off the bat, they're like, this is what happened. And so obviously, like, hysterics begin. Jennifer, who just assumed he was, like, out somewhere else and would meet her later on mm-hmm. in the day. She's now being told that, like, her husband fell off the ship and is dead on their honeymoon. Like, she's like, what? And she's frantically, like, calling her dad and trying to get in touch with George's parents. And at this point, she's, like, all by herself. It's, like, terrifying. Yeah. And George, we can assume, definitely didn't end his life on purpose. And that's according to Jennifer and George's family. He struggled with a panic disorder and depression, but he was on like the right medication and he was managing it well. So they kind of ruled this out. But now there was a yeah, question. Yeah, but when you're drinking. I know it does. That's what I'm like. I don't think he, it, I don't know. Okay. I mean, I'm going to trust the family on Yeah, this I one. trust the family yeah. too. I'm just saying like, that's not a... That that can also happen. Someone has weird reaction to alcohol. Yeah, I know. Gets super drunk while on meds. Yeah. That, do you, that interact and are supposed to counteract depression while you're taking a depressive. Like they tell you not to drink on a lot of that stuff, right? They do. Yeah. So there was now the question of if he fell off the ship, or if someone else had done this he to was him. Thrown. If he was pushed. So they wanted to know, like, when exactly everything happened and, you know, all the events leading up to him going overboard. So they started to question everybody. And while all this is happening, the ship did notify Turkish police, which was, like, their, the port they were at. And they also notified the U.S. consulate. 
So all authorities were contacted. The authorities were notified. Pretty quickly, yeah. And the Turkish authorities boarded their ship, and then they started their investigation. And they started to question all the people that had been around Jennifer and George most of the time on the ship, and especially those who had been around him, you know, that night. Right. And those people include an American college student named Josh and three Russian-Americans. Okay. Cousins Zach and Greg Rosenberg and Rusty Kaufman, who was uh, Josh, who was Zach and Greg's friend. So they were all hanging with George at the casino that night, these like four guys. And they were all brought down to the lobby of the ship. And this is when things started getting a little bit odd. Their statements and their reactions to this information have been kind of causing, wreaking havoc still. Um, So the four young men, they said that they had been at the casino and George and Jennifer were there. And according to them, at 2.30 a.m., the casino was closing. So George and the four of them, the four guys, they decided to get on the elevator, go to the disco, because it was, the disco was open for another hour. So Josh ended up stating, like, while walking from the, di- from the casino to the disco, something strange happened, which was, okay, the casino manager's name was Lloyd. And according to Josh, randomly, Lloyd walked over to Jennifer and put his arm around her. So this immediately threw Jennifer's character into question and started all of these, like, rumors and stories that Jennifer was flirting with a bunch of different men while on the cruise, of course. But we, I mean, we can't confirm or deny this. And this is just what Josh was saying. And, you know, it's also kind of putting accusations against one of the employees on the ship. Mm -hmm. So who knows? But they ended up going to the disco. They kept on partying, and they also ended up sneaking in absinthe. So they were taking straight shots of absinthe while at the disco. And according to Rusty Kaufman, the friend of the two cousins, at some point while at the disco, Jennifer and George got into an argument. And he couldn't tell what they were arguing over, but Jennifer got really angry, ended up kicking George in the (gasps) balls, and then turned around and left. And Rusty was the only one to actually see that argument, but the rest of the guys saw Jennifer leave the disco. And they all claimed again that Lloyd was also up at the disco. And when Jennifer left, Lloyd followed out behind her. What the heck? What to heck? Casino manager Lloyd. So basically they're telling authorities that Jennifer was flirting with a bunch of people, including Lloyd, and that he put his arm around her, and George and Jennifer got into a fight, and Jennifer left with Lloyd. So, that's what these these men are saying. They said they didn't know which way they went, and that's pretty much it. So, at 3.30, the disco was closing, and by this point, George was so drunk that he was just slumped over in a chair. So all these men knew that, like, he was not going to make it back to his room by himself, so they decided to help him get there. They all helped him to the ninth floor to his room. And according to the ship's log, George's key card was, in fact, used to get into the room at 3.52 a.m. And when they all went in the room, they said that they realized Jennifer was not there, and this made George immediately panic. So he immediately panics. And he's saying he needs to go find her and that she should be in here. Like, where is she? 
So all four of the men said they kind of got into an argument about, like, whether or not it was a good idea to, like, go look for her, but they decided to go look for her. And this is strange. They only checked the ship's solarium and then brought George back to his room. Okay. For whatever reason. And it's confirmed they got back to the room by 4.01 a.m. So records show they entered the room at 3.52 a.m., Realized Jennifer wasn't there, had an argument, went and looked for her, and they did all that in under 10 minutes by 4.01 a.m. Weird. Weird. Doesn't really make any sense, but okay. So when they got back, they put George in bed, and he was, like, immediately super happy and grateful, and then left him in his room, and they all went back to their room for a room service party. A classic kind of party. (laughs) They claim they ordered a ton of food, and they hung out, and they even specifically said, like, some of the food they got. So that was technically their alibi that they're using for the time George went overboard, that they were having a room service party. Okay, okay. (laughs) So the stories seemed to check out at first. Like, they were seen leaving at the times they said they were leaving. George appeared intoxicated on security footage, so authorities decided that because of this, they're going to just pursue other witnesses to see if they can nail down like the exact time that George went overboard. So they spoke to the people that made the noise complaint from the night before. Okay. What did they have to say? The passenger that was next to the Smith's room was also a deputy police chief on vacation. Oh. And his room was directly beside George Smith's room. And he claimed that he woke up at about 4 a.m. to what sounded like a drinking game. It didn't sound aggressive, just a lot of noise and a lot of people being loud, but it quickly turned into what sounded like an argument. So the police chief said it wasn't that angry. It just sounded like people disagreeing. And he said it sounded like three or four individuals in this argument. But they did have that little debate about whether or not they should go look for Jennifer. So I don't know if that's what that was. But the police deputy said he could hear the argument move to the balcony and he heard one male voice that continued to say good night good night good night like they were trying to get someone out of the room and then there was silence but after a few minutes he started hearing cabinets in the room being opened and slammed shut and it sounded like someone was moving furniture around the room and just like these loud noises like someone was looking for something and after that there was some more silence and then he (laughs) He heard what he described as a horrifying thud noise. Okay. Which we can assume was George's body falling over the railing and onto the awning. So, at some point, the deputy police chief said that he actually looked outside of his door when he heard people leaving the room, and he saw three men going down the hallway, walking away from the Smith room. Yeah. Did he ever ID the men? No. So when the neighbor called security about the noise complaint, they arrived at 4.30 in the morning, but they said that they didn't hear anything at all in the room. So they didn't knock on the door or check on anyone. They were just like, oh, we hear nothing, and they just left. So the neighbors on the other side of the Smith's room even corroborated the story and said they heard the same things the police chief described. Like, they heard the arguing, they heard the loud noises, the slamming cabinets. I said that really weird. Slamming cabinets. (laughs) They heard the thud. So they heard all that, too. And another question police have is, 
you know, where the heck is Jennifer during all of this? <laughs> like, right. where was she? Is she sleeping in the room? Did she hear anything at night? Was she awoken in the night? So, they actually did check to see if she was with Lloyd, like those four men were saying, because that she left with him or whatever. But evidence shows that he had, that she had never left with Lloyd. Okay. He actually left way before she did. She left the disco at 3.25 a.m., and at that time, Lloyd was captured on security footage coming back, like walking back to his girlfriend's room. Weird. So there's no way this was true, that he followed her out of the disco or whatever. And there were also witnesses and staff that helped her out of the disco. According to them, when she left, she was barely able to walk, and they had to help her onto the elevator and get her onto the ninth floor. And when the elevator doors opened, they just let her go. And they noticed that she did go the wrong, in the wrong direction when she stepped out of the elevator than, like, where her room was. But this didn't kind of make sense because at 4.30 a.m., around the same time, this thud noise was heard. And around the same time, security checked on the Smith room. She can be... She was found <laughs> passed out by maintenance on her floor, but on the other side of the ship. So, like, she, she probably was just drunk. So the elevator went the wrong way and just passed out in the hallway. She didn't know where she was yeah, or right, something. Yeah, right, right. That makes sense. So when she was found, she was so out of it that they had to put her into a wheelchair. And security escorted her back to her room. And security said that when they got back to the Smith's room, no one was in there. And it didn't seem like anything was wrong or like a fight had happened or anything. Right. So they just put Jennifer into bed and left. A forensic examination was done by Turkish authorities, but after only a few hours, the room was completely clear. Shit. They were just like, yeah, nothing's here. Ain't nothing to see here. Yeah. So this investigation was only done by the Turkish police only for a few hours, and there was no chance to revisit the scene at this point because after this, like, little search, the scene was opened up and the cleaners were allowed to go in. Right. And the ship continued on as normal. Damn. Yep. Um, even worse, Jennifer was actually let off the boat in Turkey all by herself. And no one on the ship offered to help her get a flight home. They just said, sorry, sorry for your loss, dropped her off and left. That's insane. Yeah. But in line with a lot of the stories I've heard about cruise ships mishandling yeah. chaos. So her dad had to wire her money to help her get a flight back home. There's still no answers, and it's, you know, this whole case is an absolute disaster. But meanwhile, back on the ship, those four men who were the last to see George were just continuously getting in trouble. Since before they even got on the cruise, they did have a pretty bad, like, rap sheet. And on the cruise, they snuck in liquor to a lot of places that they weren't supposed to. They were kind of verbally aggressive towards the staff and some of the guests on the ship. Uh-huh. And they just had, like, a lot of complaints against them. Yeah. But then two days after George went overboard, an 18-year-old girl came forward and said she was very intoxicated one night. We don't know which night this was in accordance with, like, the disappearance. But she said she somehow ended up back in, like, these four guys' room rooms. And she was so drunk, she was blacking out, but she remembers them sexually assaulting her. Oh, man. And they filmed it. Jesus. So when the ship heard about this, they detained all the men, they brought them down to the ship's lawyer, and they held them in a room and told them they were being kicked off the ship the second they got to Naples. 
So these four men, they were pissed. There's, like, footage of them, like, screaming at the staff and, like, just heated arguments. They were so mad. And basically, when they reached Naples, these guys were just thrown off the ship, and they were handed over to the authorities for these rape allegations. However, the Naples police wanted nothing to do with this. They're like, it's not our jurisdiction because it happened on the ocean. And they basically just let it go. Maritime law. Yeah, they let it go. Nobody ever did anything about these allegations. Holy shit. Yeah. So these boys, they were filming like a lot of things on the ship, including this assault, apparently. But on these tapes is also a good amount of footage of them talking about George. And... Just hours after George went overboard, the men had gone to lunch and they decided to film their lunch convos, which was mocking George's death. They were saying awful things. They found it funny. Rusty said something about George parachuting off his balcony. And by the end of the conversation, Greg ended up standing up and throwing up gang signs and saying, I told you I was gangster. Which is like, uh, why would you do that? What did you do? What do you mean? You yeah, told why? Me you were yeah. What? You're... How did you show us? Yeah. So they're looking more and more suspicious. So now the FBI does get involved. And they look at all of the statements. They question all of the men in front of a grand jury. And nothing they were saying made a lot of sense still. But they were all kind of sticking to the same story. But their alibi ended up being checked out, and it didn't go through. Like, it was not cleared, I guess. Like I said, they claimed they dropped George off for the last time at 4.01 a.m., and then they went and had this room service party, which isn't a great alibi to begin with, because this doesn't prove all four of them are in the room. Mm -hmm. You just need one person to order room service. And also when authorities looked into the different logs, because obviously we can see if this happened or not, there are a few short phone calls from the uh, four men's room starting at 4.13 a.m., but they were very, very short, like probably not enough time for them to place an order. And according to the log from the kitchen, no food was ever ordered from that room that night and no food was ever delivered. Wow. And... It could be just, like, a clerical error. Like, maybe it got delivered and it wasn't logged properly. But, you know, I I doubt it. And they also said they ordered, like, half of the menu. Like, they had, like, a huge party and got all this food because it was free. But no dishes were found or anything like that? I don't think so. I don't even think they checked those guys' rooms. That's crazy. Yeah. And, you know, I think the staff would have, rema- would have remembered making all of that food at, like, 4 in right, the morning. Right, 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 right. And no one said anything. So at this point, their alibi, yeah, didn't check out. <laughs> and their stories about Lloyd were proven to be false. And a ship employee also came forward and said that he had actually been in an elevator with Josh right after everything happened. And this employee heard Josh say to her friend, I know a lot more than they think I know. These guys almost got me arrested in Turkey. So come on, come on. So soon the FBI told these guys that if they changed their story at all, they would be charged with perjury because this case was just extremely frustrating to begin with. Like the crime scene was barely being handled and like all 
all of these contradiction contradicting stories and like apparently some blood was even found on the bed and nothing was done about it and like i said i don't think these guys' rooms were searched like it was just botched from the start so they're like the fbi is like okay yeah if you tell me like the wrong story you're getting perjury charged because i can't we can't deal with this so all four of these men their lawyers suggested that they uh from them from then on invoke their fifth amendment no comment <laughs> so all of them took polygraph tests and failed jennifer did too and she passed and she was she was cleared by the fbi good so these four men really are the only answer as of now but unfortunately they did not have enough evidence to charge them with anything Probably well past the statute of limitations too yeah so the FBI was getting nowhere. Golden State Killer should have been past statute of limitations, right? And they, they yeah, got him, right? That's true. Do that, does that apply for a murder? Don't know. I know it does for rape, but I don't know. Don't know. Yeah. So, yeah, they're getting nowhere with these men. They're sticking to the same story. And eventually, in 2015, the FBI closed the case. And, you know, we know disappearances and stuff aren't handled that well on cruises. We could do so many episodes about stories like this one. And it's evident also in the fact that, listen to this, listen to this little tale. When the captain of the ship called into the Bahamas, where the ship I think is docked, he said it was an accident before any investigation was even done. Yep, I believe that 100%. He didn't know anything. The captain wasn't there. The captain was just, you know, doing his thing. And, you know, he calls down and says there was an accident. In complete detail, he tells, the like, the people at the dock, like, what happened. Like. Classic. Yeah. There's even a camera on the ship that faces the side of the ship that George fell over. And we have no idea if these cameras were looked at or not. Right, or if they were even recording. Yeah, and sadly, there were no cameras in, like, the cabin hallways, so we can't see who was coming and going except, you know, from what witnesses say. Now, the biggest theory is that Jennifer and George were targeted. Okay. So, like I said, they they both weren't big drinkers, and then on the same night, they both ended up so drunk that they needed help back to their room, and they were in and out of consciousness. They were both, like, very clean cut. They were nicely dressed. Uh, George always wore a very expensive watch. And apparently they spoke about how much money they had back in their room, according to witnesses at the casino. Big no-no. But Yeah, big no-no. Don't ever say what you have in your room. Yeah. And because George, like, he would need to go back to the room and get more money and whatever. Like, at, as he was playing the yeah. casino, and he'd be like, oh, I have to go back to my room and bring back, like, stacks of cash. So, like, even if he didn't say it, like, people can kind of right. guess he had so much money. So anyone that got remotely close to this couple could have heard this and then seen them and decided to rob them that night. Witnesses said that Jennifer, like, we, like I said earlier, wasn't even drunk at 2.30 in the morning. So she went from completely fine to passing out in the hallway within an hour. So something must have happened at that disco, maybe. Yeah. But she does say, and I said this earlier, by the time she left the casino, she doesn't remember anything. So it could have happened. Something could have happened at the casino. At the casino, yeah, right. I don't know. 
So then there was the theory that he was just so drunk that he fell over the railing. But the railing was four feet high, which is, like, pretty high. So you would have had to climb up on top of a chair to, like, sit on the railing or get over it. And it was a 21-foot drop from the balcony down to the awning, but there was so much blood on the awning. Like, it kind of looked like too much from a fall. Uh-huh. So people think, like, maybe he was bleeding before and right. then he went over. But this this case is closed. Crazy. And so we'll just, it sucks. I guess we'll never know. And it sucks, too, because, like, they don't have his body. No, right. Just somewhere in the And I don't even know somewhere. if they, like, tested the blood. Like. Right. Did you make sure it was his? Right. Yeah, no, I mean, every one of these cases boils back to deep negligence. I know. It's insane. Well. Well, what a happy tale. Glad we're off the cruise ship. Glad we're off the cruise ship. Glad we didn't get thrown overboard. And if you're going on a cruise soon, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Just be careful. Don't be stupid. Yeah, we were well my general advice. We were very, very well behaved. We were well behaved, even though I ended up still getting ripped off for 300 bucks. Did you get it back? Not yet. Okay, well, that didn't happen on the ship, so. Yeah, but you still have it on a cruise while we were. Oh, okay, it happened on the cruise. <laughs> Stupid. Yeah, happy to be back, and we're here for a while now. Yeah, we're back, we're back, so, we're back, so. Pending enjoy. any other unexpected deaths, but, you know. Correct. I think the universe will spare me the rest of the year. I think so. And you can follow the show on Instagram at Spooky Show Pod. And then you can also rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Please. Please, 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 please. Oh, we missed my birthday. Hey, happy birthday, Kate. Too. Love you. Yeah, my birthday was at the end of April. And we didn't really get to talk about it. Because things happened really fast. Really, the day after. Things happen the day after my birthday. So, yeah. Um, And for my birthday present, rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much. And have the best week of your entire life. Bye. Bye.